0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the gun episode 81, I'm Skylar Callan. Here with me today is the signal caller, Jed Drenning. And it is Phil Thursday, so we will have Phil Steele College football talk coming around the corner here after our break, Uh, but before we do that, Jed and I, we're gonna dive into some over and unders for this week's game between West Virginia and Duquesne. But before we even do that, a word from our sponsor, BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs to get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the best and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action remember to use the promo code believe that's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts and jed there's this one this week should be a cakewalk for west virginia we kind of uh, talked about it throughout the week already i'm sure you guys are going to talk about that on the game preview tomorrow but this one, it's such a large point spread. So it, you really can't sit here and, and get too deep into it. So, what we're going to do uh, to get things started is talk some over and under what's going to actually hit, what won't. Um, Jed, you came up with some of these. If you want to go and get it started, and, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. And I have to admit, I'm, I'm kind of geeked to pick Phil's <laughs> brain and get his thoughts on Colorado last week and some of the craziness that unfolded across the college landscape. But yeah, I was just thinking about this, so I, I came up with some of these, uh, and I wanted to get your opinion. For instance, in the last three years, uh, the JMU one off in 2019, was kind of a different animal, uh, and he was just in the saddle. It was a transition roster for West Virginia. JMU was really uh, getting ready to make that leap to FBS football, that hard-fought 20-13 to 13 game. Let's look at the last three years against these FBS opponents with Neil Brown uh, in the last three years for starters this is the question I wanted to ask you uh, West Virginia scored 65 66 56 now if you average that 20 points against Jane you in there Neil Brown's four games against FCS opponents has been just a tick under 52 points a game so I wanted to ask you West Virginia against Duquesne over under 51 and a half
0: points offensively. I mean, I think it would be, it would be easy to take the over. Um, but I think when you look at some of those games, like do the, the, uh, the Long Island game was just such a mismatch. I mean, that's a team that's still rarely kind of fairly new to the whole college football thing. So they're still kind of getting going. Um, Towson, they were completely overmatched. Um Again, James Madison fought in there, but Eastern Kentucky—that's um, that's a tough one too. Um, they've had some good teams over the years, but I'm actually going to go. No, I'll, I'll go over. I, I think I'll go over, but I can see where this game maybe West Virginia gets up by three or four scores in the first half, and you know you see a bunch of twos, threes, and fours in there, and they hang around in the in the high mid to high forties. But I, I would go over. I agree. I'm going to go over with that, uh, especially in
1: consideration the last three games for different reasons. Uh, West Virginia put them away and was able to score a lot. But I'm hoping there's production. First of all, let's get to the point where we're playing the twos and threes. That's goal number one. Yeah. Uh, but I'm hoping there's production out of those twos and threes once they get in there and they have an opportunity to make some plays. So I'll take the over there, too, on uh, on that one. Okay, a year ago, here's another over under. A year ago against Towson, our starting quarterback JT Daniels, before you know getting pulled, we had four quarterbacks with scoring drives in that game. Wow, okay. uh if you remember. But JT threw for 174 yards and then left the game. Uh, Garrett Green, over under
0: 173 and a half passing yards. Ah. Uh, I think I'm going to go under here and it's not because I don't think they're going to struggle in the passing game, but I think they're really going to look to get that running game going because they really didn't get that opportunity against Penn state just because they fell behind in the second half and really couldn't stick to it. So I'm going to go under mainly because they want to get that running game going. You get all four backs involved. I think if if Jaheim White is healthy and practicing this week, I think we maybe even see him at some point too. So I'm going to say they get him in, get him out, get a nice, couple of clean drives and and uh, he'll stay under that total. Yeah, I think you're
1: right. I'm going to go with the under there too. I mean, uh, hopefully, ideally, I, you know, these games, I always hate these games because they say the pride comes before the fall. I remember the, the Western yeah. 18 that won the, one, the first bowl was losing to Norfolk at halftime. I'll talk about that in a preview tomorrow. But you got to take care of your business. But in, in an ideal world, I could almost see a game where Garrett approaches that number and maybe most of his production in the past games on a couple big plays, that type of thing. Uh, That's kind of the script that I'm hoping for if we come out and take care of business. So, uh, and then finally, the third one, before we go to break here, Uh, defensively, West Virginia, in each of these last three FCS games, Towson, Long Island, Eastern Kentucky, they've managed only one takeaway. We forced one turnover in each of those three. So, against Duquesne on Saturday, West Virginia's defense over under
0: 1.5 takeaways. I really want to go over here because I I think this staff has done a really good job preaching and and trying to force these guys to start making some plays um, and not just the routine plays. I think it was – Shadon Brown and, and and some of the other defensive staff members that have talked about that, just not making the routine plays, but actually making plays. Um, and these are the games you kind of want to start taking those chances just because you know you have the talent to kind of over, overcome that if you, if you miss on one. But I'm going to go with they get one again. I think this is a game where Duquesne, if they fall behind, they're going to try some things, but they're going to keep it clean. Um, I, I'm just – I think they're going to stick at one. This one, I'm actually
1: going to go over. There was, again, a premium stress on turnover production defensively. The truth is, every staff in America spends camp talking about forcing turnovers. But what's your strategy to get there? Uh, you can get them off schedule. You can get them in adverse down and distance situations on third down. I think we're going to have some success doing that. Not only did West Virginia not force one last week, but Duquesne didn't commit one last week. So I think those two things are going to meet. Duquesne's a little due, and West Virginia so desperately needs it. I think we're going to apply pressure. Again, when you look at the production that we had from a pass rush standpoint against Penn State, nine hurries, seven quarterback hits on Drew Aller, despite Drew Aller's success, which was bountiful. Drew Aller played a heck of a football game. Yes, he did. Uh, but he did do so under some duress against a very good Penn State offensive line. We. We managed to pressure him. So hopefully that pressure is a little more overwhelming for Duquesne. Uh, uh, and I, I'm thinking downstream of that might be a couple of turnovers. I certainly hope so. So uh I'm gonna go with the over 1.5 turnovers that again, I just kind of arbitrarily made these up, right?
0: <laughs> uh I, I thought size, little inner a Phil before we bring Phil on. Yeah, I like it. I like all these different ways we can try and beat each other up, whether it's the weekly picks or these. Maybe we have to do this every single week too uh, and see where we st- sit in the standings. We'll revisit this uh, next week when we bring Phil back on, uh, see how we did. Maybe we'll, we'll make this kind of a weekly thing. Uh, Jed and I will talk about that off, off air. But uh, before we get to, to Phil, uh, obviously this this episode of ITG brought to you by our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less than Grafton. Stick around in just one second. We'll be right back here with college football's best, Phil Steele, to break down the top 25 games and Big 12 games along with WVU here in week two.
2: Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their Never Over MSRP campaign on new Ford's guarantee to, to, to save you thousands. thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels
3: our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less, in Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com.
2: For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast.
0: All right, so it is time for Phil Thursdays here with Phil Steele, college football's best. Uh, we're going to be talking Big 12, Top 25, and West Virginia versus Duquesne here with Phil Steele. You can go and get his preview magazine. Yes, the season already started, but you can still go get that magazine. There's a lot of uh, – Obviously, really good knowledge in there that you can still use throughout the entire season. You can get that at Books and Million um, and Barnes and & Noble. So, Phil, thanks for joining us for uh, week two here at College Football. Hey, a real pleasure.
2: I enjoyed the first one. Let's, uh, looking forward to the entire season.
0: Phil, let's jump right
1: into some top 25 action. Obviously, we're going to get into the craziness that unfolded in week one. Uh, but speaking of craziness, we have a top 25 matchup that involves Tulane, in New Orleans, hosting Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss squad. So walk us through your thoughts on that. And the, the darlings of last year, Tulane, uh, here they come again early this season.
2: Yeah, and Tulane uh, surprised me last week. I thought South Alabama was going to give them a game. They did for about uh, 20 minutes. Uh, it was a close game. And then Tulane just pulled away. And they had a dominating yardage edge, 436 to 265. Like what I saw to Michael Pratt, Now, the big question I still have with Tulane is who's going to replace Tajay Spears. Spears rushed for 1,581 yards last year. Last week, their top running back had 41 yards. So I'm still a little questionable on Tulane, and I don't think they're going to quite reach the levels they did last year. Now, with Ole Miss, uh, when I talked to their coaching staff after the spring was over, they said Jackson Dart was vastly improved this year, and he looked like it. Granted, they played Mercer in the opener and Mercer wasn't going to give him much competition, but he looked good. I think they're going to unhook Quish- Quinchon Jenkins this week. He only had 60 yards last week. Look for him to get more carries in this big game. Uh, I, I think Ole Miss is the better team, and even though Tulane's very tough at home, uh, I'm going to call for Ole Miss to win this one by double digits.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Phil. I think that's going to be one of the better uh, games this weekend. I like Tulane. Uh, they, they got a really good football team down there. Um, going to – uh, power five versus power five matchup here. You got Texas AM and m at Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. This was a very low scoring, ugly type game last year. Uh, that was 17 to nine. Do you kind of get the sense that that's what we're going to see again this year with these two stout defenses, uh, or at least talented defenses and, and maybe some marginal quarterback play?
2: Well, I think both teams' offenses are much improved this year. Uh, you look at Miami and Florida, two years ago coming in, or last year coming into the season, everybody was very high on Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, Van Dyke, of course, didn't have a great season with his new offense coordinator last year, only a 10 5 ratio. But the previous year, uh, he had a 25 6 ratio. And Van Dyke has sort of melded in with this new offensive coordinator. They put up 493 yards last week. Uh, and very balanced attack, almost 250 yards, both rushing and passing. When I talked to Coach Cristobal, he talked about how vastly improved that offensive line is. So I do think Miami's offense is better. And, you know, what Texas A&M, they got Bobby Petrino as the uh, play caller now, and he's got a lot more talent to work with than they did last year. Last year, when I talked to Jimbo Fisher, he kept saying, hey, we're going to have a great team next year, next year. Well, it's next year, and they scored touchdowns on their first five possessions. Connor Wegman had a very good game, five touchdown passes, no interceptions. And New Mexico's actually got a decent defense, so that was a very good performance by a Both these teams are on my most improved list. I think both are good play-on teams this year. However, A&M's had five great recruiting classes. Miami of Florida's had two great recruiting classes under Mario Cristobal. So I think their program's a little further ahead. Uh, I'm going to go with A&M minus the points in that one to win this one by about a touchdown or more.
1: And, and guys, if you're not familiar, you should make yourself familiar. Phil mentioned his most improved list. When you look at the history of what it means to make that list, that's that that, that carries a lot of weight. Uh, well, Phil, let's round out the top 25 by jumping into what was the biggest story, arguably, in college football in week one. It sets up an old school matchup versus versus new school. You've got Nebraska heading to Colorado. You know, Colorado shocks the world with 87 fresh faces. A new coaching staff with Deion Sanders goes into TCU and a shootout, knocks off the Horned Frogs, and they're hosting Matt Rule's Nebraska Cornhuskers after that tough loss to Minnesota. What do you see unfolding in Boulder in this incredibly intriguing
3: matchup?
2: Yeah, and I think you hit it right on the head, incredibly intriguing. i got to be honest with you. I didn't think Colorado was going to do very well this year with this massive change. But we saw last week they've got the talent level. I mean, Travis Hunter, Dylan Edwards look great. Uh, Shadur Sanders, fantastic game. And TCU is still a very good team, but Sanders just shredded them. So their offense looked unstoppable. Meanwhile, Nebraska had the game against Minnesota in hand. They were up by uh, seven. About five minutes to go in the game, had the ball midfield. They fumbled. Minnesota went down got a touchdown. Then after an interception, got the field goal to win it. But I thought Nebraska controlled the game. They had a 295, 251-yard edge. So I like the way the Huskers played. The key is going to be Jeff Sims. He had three interceptions last week. He can't afford to do that. He was sort of a turnover machine at Georgia Tech and looked the same last week. Uh, I, to me, this one is one that I'm just going to sit back and watch. Was it a mirage that we saw at Colorado, or are they, are they really – this good of a team, uh, they're favored. They, coming into last week, they would have been about a ten-point dog. Now they're a three and a half point favorite in the game. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a great one to watch. I, I do side with Colorado coming out of there with the win, though.
0: Now we're going to move into our Big Twelve slate here, Phil, and we'll kick things off with the Friday night game: Illinois at Kansas. And obviously, Kansas didn't have much of a of a a sweat in week one there against Missouri State but this is kind of seems like the first real test about what this team could look like we saw Jalen Daniels healthy for the first five or six games last year we saw what that team could do what do you think about this game and and do you feel like Kansas can can maybe put a whole season together with Jalen Daniels healthy their quarterback
2: yeah, and that that's going to be the big question here because they sat Jalen Daniels week one against Missouri State. You could do that. You're playing Missouri State. And, and by the way, Jason Bean is one of the best backup quarterbacks out there. Yeah, He showed it last year when he came off the bench at a 14-4 ratio, and he looked really good in this opener. But the, I think Kansas's, uh chances to win this game probably do hinge on whether or not uh, you're going to see Jalen Daniels uh, play in this one. I, I think he will. I believe they just rested him last week to keep him healthy for this one. Now, Illinois is a really good team. I like what I saw to Luke Altmaier last week. He's an old Miss transfer. He had 69% of his passes. I didn't like the fact he was a team's leading rusher uh, and they needed a late field goal to get past Toledo, but Toledo's a really good team. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if Toledo won all the rest of their games this year, so don't be uh, saying, oh, they barely got past Toledo. How are they going to beat Kansas? I think this is a great game. To me, this one's one of the toss-ups of the week. I'm going to have popcorn ready there just be watching this game and learn about both teams I think it's going to be a big
1: time toss-up and down in Waco you got Dave Aranda's Baylor Bears are reeling Uh, a shocking loss to Texas State last week Uh, Blake Shapin's dinged up behind center so the 12th ranked Utah Utes fresh off the big win against Florida what are your thoughts there Yeah, and I think we're going to see a different Baylor this
2: week. Uh, Baylor uh, was not impressive last week, although they did have 524 yards offense. Shapen I don't expect to play, so it'll probably be Sawyer-Robertson in this one. But this is a circle-the-wagons game. Baylor has to have this. They can't open up the season 0-2, especially after losing their last four games last year. It's now a five-game losing streak for Baylor. And for Utah, they're coming off a big high. That was a nice big win over Florida on a Thursday night. Uh, massive game at home. But the one thing we've seen about Utah uh, recently is at home they're unbeatable. But on the road, they're about a 500 team. So it, I think it's a, a game where Baylor's going to take Utah all the way to the wire. Baylor's a big underdog in this one, and they're at home. Uh, it's going to be a circle the wagons game. I like Baylor as the underdog to keep it closer than expected and possibly even pull the upset
0: about the Cyhawk Bowl here, Phil, 330 on Fox. Me and Jed joke about this all the time, about how very few points are going to be scored. I think we set the total for like <laughs> 23 in this one, but that might even be too generous. Do you think we see some points in this game? And, and And with all the stuff that's surrounding Iowa State right now, can they find a way to get one of these signature wins early in the season? Uh,
2: those are big time questions. You know, this game's gone under 16 of the last 18 years. So that's, uh, that's,
3: <laughs> that's a remarkable total right there.
2: there. <laughs> yeah, it is. That is. You you hit it right on the head. Uh, you know, Iowa State, if you watch them uh, last week, they jumped out to a 30 to nothing lead. And then Northern Iowa got the majority of their yards uh, after that. So their defense is still top notch. And Northern Iowa's a good FCS team. And in fact, Uh, You know, I put out an FCS magazine, we'll talk about that with Duquesne, but I've got two full pages on every FCS team. That's available on PhilSteel.com right now. And then you look at Iowa, they also jumped out to it. They scored touchdowns on their first two possessions last week. And then the offense sort of went away, and they only won that thing by 10 points against Utah State, only 284 yards offense. I do think it'll be low scoring. I do think it'll be close, but i got to give the edge to uh, Iowa and the fact they've got the experienced quarterback in Cade McNamara over Rocco Beck. Uh, they've got the better running backs with Johnson and uh, Williams, and I do believe they still have the better defense. They gave up some late yards to Utah State last week. So I think was the better team playing with revenge, uh, and the better quarterback. I'm going to call for Iowa to win this one by more than the spread, and uh, it, I do agree with you, though. It, it, it will be a low-scoring game.
1: You talked about Utah being a different team on the road than at home. Well, last year, Phil, the, obviously the same held te- true with Texas Tech. For all the success they had in Joey McGuire year one, they were one and four on the road. Some of them reared its ugly head in Laramie, Wyoming, in that loss, double overtime loss to open the season last week. Now they return home to Lubbock, and they're hosting – the 13th ranked Oregon Ducks. I find this intriguing because obviously an offensive oriented football team in Texas Tech facing an Oregon team with a defensive culture, a head coach and Dan Lanning. So talk about that matchup for us.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Texas Tech, as you mentioned last year, six and one at home. So they were uh, outstanding there and uh, they're very, it's a tough place to play Lubbock is, you know, it's a difficult travel And uh, so Oregon's going to have a much different test than they had last week against Portland State. Bo Nix hitting on all cylinders, though. And last year, remember at the end of the year, Bo Nix was banged up, and that's when uh, Oregon's offense dropped off a little. They lost that game against Oregon State, only scored 20 against Utah State. Uh, Now they're back full throttle. They looked great last week with 81 points against Portland State. And Texas Tech is a team that, uh, if you, in the magazine, I, I wrote about it. It was tough for me to grasp what, which team we're going to see this year. My power ratings had them anywhere from 4-8 uh, and eight all the way up to 11-1. and one. They were a team that won a lot of overtime games last week, but it's a veteran team, a lot of seniors. Tyler Shuck is back. Remember, Tyler Shuck came from Oregon, right. so this is a big game for him taking on his former team. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game, and you're going to see a much better Texas Tech team this week. But I still like Oregon to come out of there with the win and probably by about a touchdown.
0: And then we've got the, the biggest game, arguably, in college football this week. And that's a future SEC matchup. Texas at Alabama. College game day will be there. Uh, Texas nearly won this game a year ago in Austin. But the, for, the good thing for them is they don't have to worry about Bryce Young on the other side to pull a late second comeback win. But, again, when you look at Nick Saban's history against his former assistants, 28-2, and two, I don't know if I can bet against, uh, against Saban down there and Brian Denny. What do you think?
2: Yeah, and to me, the location's the key here, because if you look at Alabama football the last couple of years, they've struggled on the road. Uh, They've they've had losses to Tennessee, the near loss to Texas. Uh, They got beat uh, two years ago by Texas A&M. They barely got out of the swamp in Florida, but they're outstanding at home, and remember last year they were a three touchdown favorite on the road now this year it's a circle the wagons game they're going to have the home crowd they're going to be fired up and alabama fans generally at home i I think if you follow them the last five years you know they expect to win but this game there's some tension so i think we're going to see one of the best alabama crowds that we've seen and i was impressed with Jalen milrow last week you know we knew he could run and he showed that but three touchdown passes very impressive And while Texas has a lot of talent, in fact, they're number one in my Big 12 power ratings, number one or tied for number one in all eight position categories, I still think it's a much different game this year than last year. Last year they should have won the game, but this year on the road, I like Alabama to win this one by more than a touchdown. I I like the Tide uh, to uh, sort of put its foot down, and and they do great in games against power five teams in non-conference play, and I think we are going to see the best Alabama team here. I like Bama by double digits.
1: Of days. wow, that's that's uh that, that's fascinating itself. So, so let's uh as always round things out here with West Virginia's matchup of the week and uh the Mountaineers hosting the FCS level Duquesne Dukes. I think uh Phil, what you're looking at a year ago, Duquesne was kind of uncharacteristically bad. They they lost a lot of close games, they they had several key injuries that they couldn't overcome these games tend to be all about taking care of your business as early as possible and then rep as many guys as, as possible uh how do you see this unfolding in Morgantown with the duquesne Dukes making the uh the hour and a half trip down to Mountaineer Field
2: yeah and I think that's going to be the key to the game is West Virginia establishing its run early uh they they ran the ball well at times I like that offensive line uh it's sort of Looked like uh, Neil Brown had talked to me about the offensive line last week, and that Penn State defensive line, as you know, I rank in the top five in the country, so it's one of the best defensive lines out there. I think the offensive line will assert itself early in the game. Now, Duquesne, even last year in a down year, did outgain Hawaii on the road, 364-184, to uh, so they played good in that game. Uh, they did lose their quarterback and wasn't blown away by Darius Prantis last week, just seven to thirteen for fifty-four uh, percent. Taj Butts at running back did rush for a hundred yards, but I think West Virginia will be able to assert its control early, get a nice big lead at the half. Uh, I've got West Virginia winning this game forty-five to six. I think maybe in the second half, fourth quarter, you're looking ahead a little bit to the backyard brawl next week, uh, <laughs> keeping your players fresh, but uh, look for West Virginia's
0: offensive line to be the dominant force here in this one. Yeah, Phil, uh, before we get you out of here, I uh, just want to get your thoughts on what happened last week in Happy Valley. Obviously, West Virginia hung around probably a little bit longer than most anticipated 14 to 7 at half. You know, Penn State missed a couple of opportunities there in the second quarter with some missed field goals, but. If West Virginia fans watch that game, I mean, what what would your take be on, on that game? Should they be okay with that performance? Do you think it's a little underwhelming with the way things unfold in the second half? What do you think about how things unfolded up there in Happy Valley?
2: Uh, no, I like the way West Virginia played. As you mentioned, 14-7 at the half. Uh, you have to be impressed with that. Penn State is one of the best teams in the country. Just look at my overall power rankings or uh, ratings on the positions and they're, they're right up there. They go three deep on the defense, one of the best defensive line, linebacker, of course, secondaries in the country. So I thought West Virginia played well in the game to keep that close. If you're a West Virginia backer and you, you bet on West Virginia, you've got to be a little bit yes. dismayed <laughs> about that uh, touchdown with one second left. But uh, other than that, I thought West Virginia played well, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I'm Watching the game, I came away optimistic about the, uh, the potential
0: for West Virginia this year. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Phil, uh, for joining us here for week two preview, Big 12, Top 25, and WVU. Again, you can get Phil Steele's uh, magazine at Barnes & Noble and Books a Million. Phil, thank you as always, and we'll uh, we'll chat again next week.
2: Yeah, a lot of fun talking football with you guys uh, today. Uh, Have yourself a great weekend.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Phil. All right, and when we come back from the break, we will wrap things up here on Phil Steele Thursday. Uh, with Jed and myself, so we're we'll back here in just one moment.
3: For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis. Roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed.
2: For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast.
0: All right, so that was some great stuff uh, there from Phil Steele, as always, uh, every Thursday here on In the Gun. And uh, there's a couple of other games that, that we wanted to probably touch on, but we don't want to keep Phil here forever. So uh, we're going to talk about a few other games going around uh, the top 25 and Big 12 country and for me i'm going to start off with appalachian state and at north carolina this game was a crazy game a year ago 63 to 61 carolina finds a way to, to survive that game and i i completely forgot about this fourth quarter that they had yet app state scored 40 points in the fourth quarter alone that is just insane yeah. Um, this one is, is going to be interesting because App State did not look good at all against Gardner Webb last week. It took them a very long time for them to pull away. Carolina, very impressive opener against South Carolina, uh, down here in Charlotte, in my backyard. Um, I, I, this one's tough for me because App State's kind of like that, that small school team that I root for since I'm down here. It's where my wife's from. Um, but she's a Carolina fan, so she's going to want Carolina to win. I, I think Carolina gets the victory, I think they win this one comfortably.
1: That that game and Boone last year up in the mountains, bizarre. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, I think the one common thread between last year's game and this year's game is Drake May. Drake May carved them up in a big, big way last year. He's going to carve them up oh, in yeah. a big way this weekend, I would expect. And I think he's going to be the difference in what pushes them over top uh, pretty decisively, I think so. I agree.
0: Yeah, uh, NC State, Notre Dame, that's one that I I think could get interesting. Um, It is in Raleigh, and I can't remember if it was the last time these two teams played, but there was the hurricane that whipped through, and that was just a slosh fest in that game, low-scoring game um, when they played that one. I think that may have been 2017 or 2018. I think it was Um, the year
1: we had our game canceled. It was the same
0: hurricane. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You 2018. Yeah, 2018. So – that, that this one will get a little bit drier weather. Actually, we don't know. Um, th- there is some projected weather in the forecast, maybe. So we'll see what happens there. But Notre Dame, NC State, Sam Hartman, former Wake Forest co- quarterback, he's familiar with this NC State team. So that should be interesting. And uh, what about this, uh, this other Big 12 game here, Jed, that everyone should be watching?
1: Well, to double back to a closing thought on Notre Dame, it's interesting to me that Brendan Armstrong didn't look all that sharp against UConn. They had a yes. slug to start. He, yes. he was the only thing they had in the run game. So unless they find a way to get things clicking in the pass game, North Carolina State, they might struggle offensively. But Sam Hartman, that, that matchup intrigues me. Sam Hartman through two games has been absolutely as advertised. 83%, six touchdowns, hasn't turned the football over and with no picks. Uh, Gibby's going to dial up some looks that that his whole goal was going to be and try and get in Sam Hartman's head and Gibby's very good at doing that so that's one I'm going to be keeping a close eye on so that 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 matchup intrigues me but into the big 12 we didn't mention the SMU Oklahoma matchup uh it's intriguing to me only in that Rhett Lashley he's got to back up what he's been saying right he's been talking about all this big move to a power five conference and and this type of thing well well, uh, Oklahoma is is offensively firing on all cylinders right now. I mean, we saw how hot they were in the past game last week in that mismatch against Arkansas State, the run game, they're gonna have balance. Uh, I think that they're gonna be way too overwhelming for SMU, but but this is one of those things that is this the Oklahoma defense that we saw struggle last year? Uh, this is a Brent Venables coach team. Can he fix what's wrong and ailing the defense? side well SMU offensively might test that with Rhett Lashley so we'll find out if that's something to keep an eye on I expect Oklahoma to win completely, but I'm more uh, intrigued to keep an eye on Oklahoma's defense against the SMU offense
0: it's not the backyard brawl but it is the River City rivalry Cincinnati uh, at Pitt and this one could be good news for West Virginia fans I mean Pitt they've got to deal with another big 12 team this week and that's going to be No easy contest for them. They're going to have to will their way to win. Um, And meanwhile, West Virginia is going to kind of get a tune-up game here against Duquesne. So uh, Pitt and Cincinnati, I think this one could be a little bit interesting And because I think Pitt, again, they could be looking ahead to West Virginia. They see Cincinnati as this new big 12 team that's maybe towards the bottom of the league, and they still kind of view them as a retooling roster. I don't know. I I think Cincinnati could sneak up on them. I think Pitt wins the game, but it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I think about just some of the, the classic
1: battles that these two teams had in the old Big East. You know, the ones that Brian Kelly era yeah. of, the, of the Big East uh, and some of the battles that they waged against one another. But uh, it, it's intriguing only in the Emory Jones played lights out. I think he played over his head against an overmatched opponent last week. He was 19 of 23. That's not the Emory, Emory Jones that I know. Yeah. Uh, so I can see him struggling against the pit defense. Uh, but Cincinnati – they're a handful on that defensive line. Maybe the best defensive line in the Big 12. When you look at Dante Corleone, Jawan Briggs, they bring it. So they'll give you problems. You know, Phil Jerkovic looked comfortable settling in as Pitt's new quarterback last week. Of course, it's a system he played with, at, you know, played in, I should say, under Signetti at Boston College. Uh, but I, I do think Pitt's the better team, and they're going to find a way to win this. But I could see Cincinnati being feisty enough to make it interesting. And I would imagine there's going to be a rabid crowd of probably, you know, 2,600 or so uh, cheering on the <laughs> Panthers. Because anytime West Virginia is not playing there, it's it's not going to be many people. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I think Pitt finds a way to win this football game and, and heads into the backyard draw unbeaten. It's just a matter – we were looking at it, Schuyler. Pitt's one of those teams getting votes. I think right now they're, they're getting single-digit votes, which puts it like 30 or 31 technically – so it would probably be a bit of a long shot, even if they win decisively, for them to come into Morgantown ranked. Uh, it's more likely they'd come into Morgantown just outside the top 25 if they win decisively. But first, they have to find a way to win. So,
0: Yeah, uh, I heard they're having the, a gold rush uh, for this week's game. That's the, the seats we're talking about here, not the uh, <laughs> the, the fans wearing their gold shirts. But uh, a couple other games I just wanted to briefly mention. We've talked about this before in some of our previews, uh, Central Florida at Boise State, that's a very intriguing game. I know Boise State looked like crap last week against Washington, but Washington's – I mean, they're in the in contention for a big uh, – the Pac-12 title. Uh, you got the, the battle of Houston, Houston and Rice, Houston, with the uh, shocking win UTSA last week, 17-14, winning games a different way. And then how about this snooze fest? Oklahoma State and Arizona State. Talk about two teams that really just kind of fell asleep there in week one. Oklahoma State barely gets past Central Arkansas. Oklahoma State barely gets past – or Arizona State barely gets past Southern Utah. Who's going to win this one? I have no idea. It got to the point where in the Oklahoma State game, Mike Gundy threw his own kid in there. They had three different quarterbacks playing in that one. So, I don't know what to expect in that game. Um, Of those games, which ones kind of get your interest a little bit? Uh, probably UCF
1: on the Smurf turf. Yeah. If anything, uh, again, John, big things are expected out of behind center for UCF. Uh, you know, they're expecting him when you listen to the staff, when you listen to Gus, when you listen to Herb, they're expected to take the next step as a passer. I think it'll be enough
0: of a test that we can probably tell something. Uh, to, Yep, so that will do it uh, here for Phil Steele Thursday here on In the Gun, and uh, one final thank you to Fortis for roof performance and financial security guaranteed. Make sure to visit fortis.us.com. Also, we have the West Virginia Duquesne game preview with Wes, Jed and Owen that will be dropping tomorrow. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube at In the Gun Podcast and also on Twitter follow at In the Gun Podcast, and be sure to be. Following the correct feed on belief. That's, again, the one with Owen hurdling the guy from Rutgers, Devin McCordy. So uh, that's it for us this week, or for today, here on the show for Wesley Euler, Owen Schmidt, Jed Drenning. I'm Skyla Callan. The one thing that we one ask of thing. you is to be in an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WB football podcast. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.